You're listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast, Episode 10. Welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Digital DJs, vinyl purists, show promoters, producers, music lovers, turntablists, controllerists, radio DJs, wedding DJs, club DJs, honored guests, neighbors and friends, welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm David Michael. Thanks so much for being here. Episode 10 is all about treating your DJing more like a business, and the reason behind that is a desire to build credibility land awesome DJ gigs, build your fan base, and do justice to your craft. To that end, we are interviewing today Casey Lane. Uh, Casey is a seasoned DJ and an industry insider. She's worked all sides of the event spectrum, uh, be it DJing, promoting, uh, artist management, and she's really got a lot of great insight to share with us and some tips on how to treat your DJing more like a business and do it justice. Uh, This is a really great interview. Um, There's just a whole lot of golden nuggets of information. Uh, Before we get to the interview, I'd like to uh, answer an email from uh, Abdul, also known as DJ Was Love, um, who writes and says, can you please send me some of the ways to stand out from others as a DJ? Now, of course, that is the uh, the big question. And my, my advice is the best thing that you can do is find out what it is that makes you unique and capitalize on that. Play to your own desires and advantages. Try to carve out your own niche. And um, I actually sent Abdul a link to um, an article I wrote a while back. It's called DJs and Promoters, What is Your Value Proposition? Some quick points out of that article. If nobody is buying what you're selling, perhaps it's time to finally consider why that might be. Pretend you are on the receiving end. You are your customer. Now ask yourself, what's in it for me? Think about how much you really believe in what you're trying to do and consider whether or not you have something special to bring to the table. How much time and effort are you willing to put into this? To be noticed, you need to create something premium and then promote it, not just promote the same boring thing over and over again. The article ends, Don't make shows that are needlessly expensive and don't make free shows that are half-assed and boring. Charge me a reasonable cover and then deliver on the promise that I'm purchasing with my dollars. That's the best way to hook me as a repeat customer. The article ends kind of geared towards promoters, but the idea is really the same. You can't really just expect to do the same boring self-promotion and just playing music and spamming your mixes and expect to really get anywhere with that, which is why I'm excited to bring our interview in today because we talk about how we can kind of step up the professionalism game, promote ourselves a little more effectively, and build those lasting connections and relationships that will help us along the way and make this whole thing a lot more enjoyable. Winnie Logan writes and says, Hi David, I was just doing some research and ran across your webpage. Me and my best friend are extremely passionate about EDM and everything about it. We are confident in becoming DJs and would love all the help we could get. Any tips you could give us? Well, I could give you a whole lot of tips, um, but 
as far as embarking on the exciting journey of becoming a DJ, the best starting point I could give you is my uh, ultimate guide on how to become a DJ. If you go to passionatedj.com and click on the ultimate guides button at the top in the nav bar, um, there's a fairly comprehensive guide there. Um, I recommend a 10-step process to getting the ball rolling. And I'll just go over those steps really quick. Um, Step one is learning what DJs actually do. Uh, What is it that you're actually interested in doing? Why are you learning this? What kind of DJ are you interested in becoming? And that leads into step two, which is determine why you want to DJ. Do you have stars in your eyes? Do you want to start a business? Is it just for fun, a hobby? Um, Get real serious about what your actual intent is. Uh, Step three, test the waters. Get some free DJ software. Get your feet wet. See what it's really about. Start getting a feel for it. This is really easy to do these days because uh, free DJ software is all over the place and the big boys have uh, free demos, so it's not difficult to uh, give it a whack. Step four is learn the basic skills. So this is mixing, uh, EQing, phrasing, beat matching. Um, Step five is to break out of the box. You know, invest in some hardware it's cheap these days to get started and this gives you an idea of what DJing feels like. Step six, record a mix. Use the knowledge you've gained up to this point and see what you sound like. Record it, wait a day or two, play it back, see what you sound like. And I, I think that cool down period of waiting a day or two is is crucial. I do that uh, today. Every time I create a mix or a, a track or anything or even a blog post, I usually sit on it for a few days and come back to it because it's very revealing. Um, it always sounds much different uh, after some time has passed. So step seven, build a following and brand yourself. This is the step that we are discussing on the interview today. This is constructing your support base, building an online presence, showing your worth. Step eight is simply hustle. This is the the part where you put in your time. You make yourself valuable to your scene and give, give, give. This step never really ends, by the way. The DJ hustle never ends if you want to uh, advance career-wise. Step nine is to pursue your first gigs. Uh, Play in front of real people. This is what it's all about. And if you're having trouble finding those first gigs, uh, there are also some tips in the interview for this as well. But uh, a gig can can be more than a big club night or a wedding or something like that. You know, you could start to try to build a following of of five or ten friends who are willing to give you a shot and, uh, you know, get on uh, Mixler or Mixify or something like that and play to them online. Um, I've actually had quite a bit of success doing this. I was running a uh, radio show called Thursday Therapy for, uh, I don't know, 15 weeks in a row or something. I've gotten kind of busy, and, and it's kind of fallen off. But, um, you know, I had uh, listeners um, pretty regularly regularly on that. And, uh, you know, they loved it, and it was cool. And it wasn't, you know, the same as playing in front of, you know, like 300 people in a nightclub or something like that. But uh, it, it really does start to teach you what it's like to play in front of people. And I would get on the mic and talk uh, talk about it and ask them what they were drinking that night and stuff and try to interact with them. 
and to kind of simulate that um, crowd reading that you get at a live show. Um, and then step 10 is just to hone your craft. Learn to work the floor and consider learning more advanced skills. You know, this is a, a passion and a craft for, for many people. And like I said, the DJ hustle never ends. There's always something to learn. There's always something to get better at. Don't, you know, don't ever move past step, I said step eight earlier, but especially step 10. I mean, always develop yourself as a person and as a DJ. You don't want to stagnate. And then the uh, end of the article, I talk about uh, learn, the, learn the value of subtlety. This will help you with crowd reading and will help you turn your sets into a journey instead of a cyclone. Um, and uh, a common complaint is that uh, everyone is a DJ. You know, everywhere you turn, there's somebody who calls themselves a DJ. Um, don't concern yourself with that. I mean, what matters is that you do it better or you do it in a way that makes you happy. When you start uh, really putting in your time, putting in the hustle, and trying to develop yourself and your skills and abilities as a DJ, you're already about five steps ahead of most fly-by-night DJs who don't really matter in the long run. So just do what makes you happy, and and you'll be right on your way. So thanks for the messages, guys. Um, I read all of your emails and respond to as many as I can. Um, and as you guys know, if you've uh, if this isn't the first time you've listened, I'm trying to get more people to ask their questions so that I can answer them on the podcast. Um, if you would like to submit a question, go to passionatedj.com forward slash ask. And um, if you have any kind of microphone on your computer or gaming headset, uh, webcam, anything that you can talk into, uh, leave me a voicemail. I would love to hear your voices and uh, put them on the podcast like I did in episode nine. So with that being said, oh, one quick announcement for those of you who haven't seen I have started a new project. It's called the Story Mix Project. And um, what I'm doing is building a storytelling studio mix called Zombie Hospital. And this is a sequel to a mix I did last year around Halloween that was called Zombie Hotel. And basically what I do is um, I put together a bunch of tracks in uh, music tracks in studio software, um, build the transitions and everything, and then I overlay sound effects and audio cues and that sort of thing. Um, and the idea is to tell a story through the music and sound effects and other clues like maybe album artwork or track list and things like that. And um, I guess tell a story might be a little too strong. It implies a story. Um, the listener gets to build the story in their head. So um, it's a lot of fun, and I'm documenting the creation of this mix over the next several weeks. Um, it's October 1st as I record this. This will go live October 2nd, um, 2014. So for those of you who are listening in the future, you should already be able to listen to this. If you're listening to this episode as it comes out, we're about halfway through. We're on uh, week three, and I'm hoping to have it done just a little bit before Halloween. So if you want to check it out, go to passionatedj.com forward slash zombie and I would love to hear your thoughts so please leave comments all right and without further ado we have a great interview let's get right to it here is Casey Lane Casey welcome to the passionate DJ podcast 
good to have you on. Thank you. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be on the uh, Passionate DJ podcast because I've been listening for quite some time now. Well, and we've been trying to do this interview for I don't even know how long, and things just kept coming up, and schedules didn't align, and looks like we finally uh, <laughs> finally found the Goldilocks zone when we can get this done. So. <laughs> Yep, our worlds finally collided. The, the eclipse of the moon and the, the earth finally came into play here tonight. Which is apparently Tuesday, 10 a.m. my time and 10 p.m. your time. So. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so Casey's hailing from Singapore. So um, typically I would start out and kind of give a little bit of uh, introductory knowledge on uh, who I'm interviewing, but I think I'm going to pass that baton to you if you don't mind. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, who is Casey Lane? Um, how did you get started in this whole DJing thing? And uh, then eventually, you know, what uh, what uh, inspires you now and what, what, what do you have? Well, we'll get into what you've got going on uh, okay. now later, but I guess how did you get where you are? Okay, excellent. Um, well, I come from the, the Midwest, actually, Kenosha, Wisconsin. So it's, it's right in between Chicago and Milwaukee. Like any given weekend, you know, when I was growing up in, you know, high school and right out of high school, I was, you know, going to, to raves or parties. Like, is it going to be Chicago this weekend? Is it going to be Milwaukee? Is it going to be Madison? So it was kind of, um, I grew up in that, um, very, very thriving rave scene. Um, and I, I really didn't pick up DJing when I was like a raver because I just, I just loved going to parties and, you know, meeting new people. Um, back in 2001, I went into the military and when I was in the military, I kind of like, it's funny when you're in that situation, you kind of like figure out who's like a raver or who likes this type, type of music. You you just kind of know. Um, I, I befriended like a guy, he was a, a drum and bass DJ. Um, I ended up hanging out with him and his, his roommate and he was a house DJ and I would always tell like his roommate what to play. I'd say like, Oh, this track would sound really good. And he, he just got really fed up with it and he's like, you got to do it on your own. <laughs> so it took me like six months from there to finally learn how to beat match. Um, and you know, I was like over at their house and always DJing and they were giving me pointers and tips. Fast forward maybe five years down the line, I, you know, I really just had it as a hobby and really wasn't very good at it. Um, and I ended up moving to Milwaukee and there, there was like a whole really great group, um, of, of D- DJs there, like DJ Fortune. You, you, uh, did a podcast with her. She was one of, one of the people that helped me learn how to DJ as well. And, uh, she gave me some of my first few gigs back in 2005. So after that, I was just kind of doing um, my own night, um, a weekly, and then doing club nights as well. My my daytime job is I'm a gymnastics coach. Okay. So I took that career. That career took me to China, and I was in China um, from 2008 through 2010. And so there is what kind of where my DJing career started to pick up, um, you know, me being white and female. <laughs> it was pretty easy for me to get gigs, but they weren't the type, the type of gigs that I wanted because I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't this um, girl that would like show her boobs and stuff. And that's kind of what they wanted to see. I was more, you know, into underground music. Um, and I befriended a woman 
um, who ended up being, um, she owned her own booking agency. It's a pretty high profile booking agency for, um, large hip hop acts. And before EDM, uh, before that EDM boom, we were doing, um, representation for like LMFAO and other artists throughout Asia and Australia. So I learned a lot from her about like the business side of DJing. And then, um, in 2010, I moved from China to Singapore again for, uh, my gymnastics, um, career. I really didn't want to stay in China anymore. Um, so I moved to Singapore and, and right at, as soon as I moved to Singapore, I started, you know, branding myself the correct way and getting all the gigs that I really wanted, like doing different, um, sponsors, um, you know, private events, also did club nights, but I, I really, really love doing like private events for larger brands because that's kind of where the money is. So, sure. um, that's kind of where I'm at in my DJing career. I really, um, I feel really happy for and really grateful for giving me opportunities to go out on the weekends and making people have a great time. So um, that's kind of a little bit about um, my whole DJing career in about two minutes. So, so uh, you you mentioned something about your ability to get gigs based on being a white woman in China, basically. Yes. Um, how how did you feel about that? I mean, obviously it's do you feel like that was an advantage or a disadvantage for you? And because I, I know that that kind of, you know, based on some of your previous uh, blog articles and things, you focused, you spent a lot of time focusing on writing specifically about female DJs. Can you kind of elaborate on how that carved, you know, how how that worked its way into your um, articles and 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 how you felt about? Um, I don't know if it was if you felt stereotyped or was there like a, a feeling of sexism or what is it that kind of shaped the way that you view yourself as a DJ now? Okay, so um, you know I kind of felt like you know I you know it was it was nice to get these gigs coming in and you're like yeah okay awesome yes yes but then I would show up to a gig and the manager would look at me and be like. You know, it's like this big, you know, gangster Chinese guy looking at me and saying, like, no, you need to change. Like, you know, I'm just showing up in a T-shirt, what I would, would do for any gig. And they would tell me, you know, what to wear. Like, why aren't you wearing any makeup? Why don't you have your hair done? You know, somebody would translate this stuff for me, and it would make me feel bad, and I hated it. But, you know, it's not it's not their fault, you know, because I didn't tell them who I was you know, my, um, I didn't have a website. I didn't have, you know, a, a, a major like social media presence at all. So they really didn't know who they were getting. They just assumed female. Was that kind of part of the culture like, there and, and that you just kind of got swept up in it? Um, uh, they were expecting like a different type of, of performer? I don't think it's the culture. I think it's the way a lot of clubs are these days. They want like this big flashy performance, you know, and what I was used to was going and playing for the music and not, you know, playing for music lovers and not playing to get people to buy drinks and stay really long and, you know, do whatever they want to do in clubs um, or whatever the manager wants them to do. Sure. So 
luckily I was, you know, I was working at the agency when I, I hit like this, this really low, 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 low. And I was like, God, I just don't like, I didn't want to DJ anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'd rather DJ for like, you know, like 50 bucks at this dive bar where I could play any of the music that I wanted. And people aren't going to, you know, judge me by the way I looked um, or what I was wearing. Um, you know, and most of the times when you DJed in these dive bars, people didn't even go into the main room where the DJ was, you know, they're just like in this other part, like chilling and dancing and stuff. They don't look at the DJ. So, um, in that aspect and in having that part happen to me, it was like, there, there are people that actually, you know, they don't even care if it's male or female. They just want to go out and have a good time. So, you know, like you said, I, I would write a lot of things about like a, a female, um, from a female's perspective, and I think that's really important. And it's not, you know, the the way that you put yourself out there, because somebody else can brand you as something totally that you're not, and sure. it's going to make you feel, you know, it's going to make you feel really, it's going, you're going to lose your self esteem, um, and you're going to lose faith in your, you know, in your abilities. Because I thought, like, I thought music was 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 the answer. I thought music was the reason why people are booking me. You know, they would listen to my, my uh, SoundCloud or, you know, any of my mixes, and I thought that's what they wanted, but they didn't. They wanted, you know, that whole package, that whole experience. So, so this might be hard to, to quantify because the different places that you've lived, you were kind of in different headspaces and different places in your DJing career, but was your experience with that as far as being possibly treated differently because of you know being a woman or or anything else being foreign or whatever whatever that uh catalyst was right. was your experience with that different based on where you lived or you know was that was that just something you experienced in China or is that some is that a constant struggle you know being a female DJ or you know i think it was um in Milwaukee it wasn't that bad because um you know, there were a lot of great female DJs there, you know, like Fortune. She ran nights over and over and over again. There's um, T. Rizzo was a really great DJ. And another, um, Erica Bach was another one doing a different sort of sound. So there was always like a, you know, a, like a, a strong, you know, I would say like uh, matriarch <laughs> of <laughs> sure. DJs, you know, you know um, in that area. So I really can't can't base anything off of that because Milwaukee is a little bit different than say for instance Chicago. Chicago is a little bit different, you know, there, it's more of a male dominated scene. Um, but Singapore definitely I felt that those same effects. People that didn't know me and who tried to, to book me for like a a different type of club night that I that I knew wasn't my scene and they were looking for something else, I would have to put them down. You know, I'd ha- I'd have to deny them because, you know, that's not who I am and that's what I do. So, you know, I didn't want to compromise what I was doing and I didn't want to put them in a bad place either of me showing up and saying like, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Let's talk about what is the DJpreneur? Okay. So the DJpreneur is a place where other DJs can learn how to make money getting gigs or any other um, ways that DJs can make money too with branding techniques, learning how to make your social media presence a little bit better and more effective, and also teaches you different networking techniques. You know, not everybody is a social butterfly. A lot of people are behind behind a computer screen, but they don't really know how to connect with people. 
And so I actually have one class coming up um, very soon. I have one person registered, and I haven't even talked about it. So this is kind of like the first place that I'm talking about it. All right. Uh, the, the class that I'm having is The called, Inside uh, Scoop. It is the Inside Scoop, yep. <laughs> um, it's called Connecting to Key Players. And this is actually for somebody who really wants to go out and connect with people or learn how to do um, the right way of connecting with people, either face-to-face or through the online sphere. So it's um, a very intimate class. There's only 10 slots available, and it's a one-hour Google Plus Hangout that is private, so nobody knows what is going on outside the group. Is, so, there, a, is there a specific date for that class set up? So, yes, I'm going to have this first one. is going to be on Tuesday, October 14th. And it's going to be at um, 10 p or sorry 11 p.m. Singapore time, which is 11 a.m. New York or Eastern time zone. Okay, so this is uh, this is 2014 for those of us who are you know listening in the future. So, yes. So yes. that's pretty awesome. So uh, the whole purpose is kind of determining how to make money or make better money as a DJ and and become connected and, and that sort of thing. Why is yeah. it? in your opinion, so hard for DJs to make money? Or is it? I think that it's, it's very hard for DJs starting out to make money um, because they haven't connected with the right people. Um, and when I say connecting with them, it doesn't mean like they're a Facebook friend or, or they're, you know, somebody you have their email to. I mean, it's somebody that you actually exchange conversations with or you exchange something of value either you know, um, you know, you go out to their clubs or, you know, you go out to their bars and you spend money at their, their venue. That's, that's kind of what I mean by like the connection. Um, and I think a lot of new DJs these days, um, you know, when I first started out, like that was the thing. It was like, who are the people that I need to speak to in order to get a gig at this place? And, you know, Really, you don't go out and you talk to people in the club, you know, like who do, you don't you don't say that or, right. you know, maybe maybe your first thing would be to go up to the DJ and start asking him, you know, you know, maybe you'll ask him for a gig, you know, and that's not always the best thing to do because you're actually asking to take this guy's job away from him right. <laughs> or this girl's job away from her. So, so like, who do I ask to get your job, you know? So, right, right. Do you think it's a matter of... um are people just too impatient or do they just not know what they need to do? Or, I mean, because this seems like a, a common problem or is it just, is it really just a problem of too many I chefs in the kitchen? Um, no, I, I actually don't think there's too many chefs in the kitchen. I think there's a DJ for every little purpose, every little celebration that any one person can have. Um, so I, I do not believe there's too many chefs in the kitchen. Um, what I do believe is that, a lot of people don't think through the processes of actually getting the gigs. I think they'll go from like step A right to step Z where, where you go and you just ask for the gig right away. Yeah. Like you kind of have to think about it as like trying to, you know, get a woman in bed or, you know, <laughs> that's, that's funny yeah. that you bring that up. I was actually going to make that analogy. It, you could put, you could say that DJs go for the clothes right away and right. what they, they don't take the time to date. You know, they're not playing the long game. They're not trying to marry, if you will. You know what I mean? So they, it's, I, I, I almost wonder if that, if that really is what it is, is they, they want that instantaneous job or fame or whatever it is that they're shooting for. 
and they're not willing to put in the, the hustle. Um, so how how can we land better gig, better paying gigs as DJs? Do you have like maybe a couple of, of quick tips that uh, maybe gives an indication of the kind of stuff that you talk about um, on the DJpreneur and your blog articles yeah. and that sort of thing? For sure. I think um, one of the main things is to actually, you know, pinpoint where you want to be, where, you know, what type of DJ do you want to be? Do you want to stay solely underground and true to yourself? And, you know, you know, do you want to DJ just for like a small party or whatever? Or do you want to be able, be able to like grow as a DJ and travel you know, overseas and, you know, land these crazy gigs and festivals because there's different ways to approach um, all different aspects. So for me personally, um, I knew that, you know, once I landed like one gig doing brands, that that was something that I wanted to target. Okay. So it's kind of weird saying like target, but that is one of my, my goals, one of my main, my main streams of how I would do my promotions and who I would talk to and, you know, different people that I would look for. Um, for instance, I don't, I don't, um, I don't go to like promoters and ask them for gigs because I'm not looking for gigs in that sphere. You know, I would look for brand managers or marketing managers for different brands and try to connect with them, you know, either face to face by going out and meeting different people um, or using, you know, social media and connecting with their brands online. Um, so that is one of the main things is figuring out what you want and then you can kind of create a path for finding those people that you want to connect with to give you gigs. I'm really glad you put it that way because I I get a lot of questions about this, a lot of emails for people on the mailing list and that sort of thing and um, Facebook. They always ask questions like, how can I get more gigs? Who do I need to talk to? What's the right thing to say? And mm-hmm. nobody – right off the bat, I'm like, that's that's the wrong question. You know what I mean? It's, right. It's how do you forge your own path to do this? It's – which is why I love the concept of the DJpreneur. I mean, those two words put together, if more people treated it like a business, whether their end goal is to make money or not, if they treated it more like a business, like it was something that needed to be nurtured and built, they probably wouldn't need to ask those questions. You know, it's, uh, it's a, it's a leader, not a follower kind of thing. I think um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, building your brand equity, if you will, and, and, uh, showing your worth. Definitely, definitely. And then, you know, um, and I think that just comes with like the, the lack of understanding how the whole process works. You know, it's, you go out initially, you, you initially meet somebody, you're not going to say to their face, Hey, will you give me a gig? But people will do that online. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this disconnect where, where how people act in person and then they totally flip it and do the opposite online. And it's like, no, 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 no. Everything <laughs> is the same. You know, it's the same way. So uh, I think uh, a lot of people, because the internet is fast and it's, um, you know, you get responses right away. And, you know, um, sometimes you see people online and you think you know them, but you really don't know them. Like, like for me, for instance, I don't know how many people are on my friends list or whatever, but 
I wouldn't go just because they're friend on, my friend on Facebook doesn't mean I'm going to say, hey, can you give me a gig? Right. <laughs> it's like you have to understand the like level of um, like the level of connection you have with that person and how much you've already given them. Then maybe you can ask for something. I guess we can look at it this way too. Like, are you going to go and ask that person for 10 bucks? You know, are they going to borrow you 10 bucks right off the bat? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's... maybe that should be like the, the 10 buck, the 10 buck rule or maybe the 50 <laughs> buck rule, you know, can, will this person loan you 50 bucks if you ask, you know, you if know, the answer is yes, then maybe they will give you a gig. <laughs> it's, and the thing is, it's, it, DJs are are notoriously bad for this, where they I, they think that they're amazing and awesome, and they do the best mixes and whatever, and play the best music, and they may, but yeah, that so what? I mean, nobody. That's not spectacular. So mm-hmm. it's. I mean, I guess. What are some ways that DJs fail to provide value? And I mean. Because I that that seems to to happen all the time. I mean, it, promoters are looking for either some combination of they're trying to you know play music that fits their their brand or their personal taste, or they're trying to make money. And they're, usually the truth somewhere in in between. So it doesn't seem to me like the the ideal approach is to say I play the best music. I play the best music. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Right. I'll give you I'll give you some examples. Um, uh, like my husband, he's been in the scene as well, but he's he's not a DJ. Um, he was a producer um, like 15 years ago, okay. and like he knows like all the old like veteran DJs or whatever, and he sees like a new like DJ getting booked all the time, and he's like, why are they getting booked? And you know they're not even good and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, DJ, you just have to like see what they're doing, like you know, see what they're doing online and what these, these guys are doing and what other people have found is, you know, when they're online, they're, they're not talking about themselves all the time. Like they'll post, you know, say for instance, they, they want to like get booked at like some club, you know, for maybe like six months in advance before they even get booked, they're talking about that club online and they're going to the parties there. And then they're talking about the parties, how awesome it was. And it's not just like a small post. It'll be like a really long post and they'll have pictures of the club and they'll, you know, put it on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And the club owners will see that. And that's like that's a value to them. Like if anybody's talking about their club in a good way and, you know, these people are actually bringing other people to the club, too, because they're talking about how awesome it is. So. You know, if you're a DJ and you really want to get, you know, booked at this club in your area, start going there and start, you know, saying how awesome it is, even on like really, you know, slower nights and, you know, just talk about it. Because that's, that's one, you know, you don't even have to spend any money. You just go online and you talk about how awesome it is. Or even if they have a night that, that you can't go out to, just talk about it. Like, oh, I really wish I could go to one of these nights because could one of my friends go to it and tell me how it is. Like, it's just um, really, really a simple way of providing value um, to, you know, a club. I think it really, uh, it requires a like a fundamental shift in attitude because it's it seems that it, a lot of people fall into one of two camps. Either they feel in a sense of entitlement, like I don't owe you anything. This is, I'm the talent and you should book me based on that. 
mm-hmm. or they do what you say, but with very expecting very specific results. And I think right. what is actually required is just to be doing that all the time. You know what I mean? Like to 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 always be trying to help people and uplift people and network yes. in that positive way. And that stuff just over time starts paying back to you. It's not like, oh, you know, such and such club is awesome. And then two weeks later, you're like, dude, I've been t- telling people how awesome your club is. Why aren't you booking me? You know what I mean? Like, it's that's very um, yes. transparent when people do that as opposed exactly. to just, hey, this place is awesome. And I'm going to tell you about that just because it is. Yeah. Period. Like, you know, I, you know. Think about it. How you you um, you you talk about like brands that you love online and stuff. It's the same concept. Like like I don't know. I love Subway. I'm a big Subway freak, and I always like oh I love Subway and uh, you know like the cookies are amazing. And I'll post about that. Like <laughs> I know Subway isn't going to give me a gig or whatever, but I'm just like so happy and excited about it. Um, I think I think that's where like D- like DJs that really are struggling have to like kind of yeah take that little shift into like putting good out into the world so that good will come back um, yeah. and it and it comes back not not always in the way that you expect it there's there's a, a way that the universe works for you if yeah. you're positive and you're excited about what you're doing and you're excited about what other people are doing in your industry as well. So I think it's really sad. Like it makes me really sad when I see like a newer DJ or somebody that actually that's been around for a long time and they're just like cutting down other people to make themselves look good. Yeah. But, but that's not the case. Other people are going to look at you and say like, and this guy just complains all the time. So why would I even want to work with him? And, you know, those those egotistical negative people are going to attract similar negative egotistic people, and that's just a recipe for disaster. Whereas if you have motivated, positive, you know, forward-thinking type individuals, you end up with a much different collective of people. Definitely, definitely. And, like, it's the way you put yourself out there. You know, if you're telling people you're the best... And then they come watch you, and you're not the best. You're gonna hear it, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something to be said for being very humble and surprising people, as opposed to building up a bunch of hype. You know, it's kind of like the the hype versus buzz episode that I did. I think it was episode two. Yeah. It's kind of that, where yeah. you know, it's it's very empty and and. You know, you're just bragging about yourself and and have nothing to really show for it. Whereas if you're just instead of taking that ten minutes to talk about yourself, if you take that ten minutes and talk about how awesome so and so did at their gig or how great the show is that uh, blah 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 entertainment put on or whatever, people are going to view that in a much different way and view you yeah. as a positive force in your scene as opposed to just a consumer. You know what I mean? Exactly. And um, a lot of people don't realize that other people are online, too, to get their name out there, you know. And, you know, if you're posting about, like I said before, if you're posting about somebody else and you're helping get their name out there, that is, you know, it's going to come around. Eventually it will come around. And it's 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 sort of like magical in a way. <laughs> it's kind of like the, that currency that, you know, that like currency or right. that um, it's like uh, that book, The Secret, which I, 
I am not a big fan of, but I I get the underlying idea behind it. You know, you right. you you put that that sort of uh, positive energy, if you want to call it that, you put that out there. It attracts other people that are like that, and suddenly you have this this core center of people who are uplifting each other, and mm-hmm. it's it's amazing when you know how things can suddenly start having when happening when you have a bunch of people that are trying to help you <laughs> you know what i mean yeah well it totally it totally <laughs> makes a difference and i have a lot of friends that you know that i've um helped in in one way or another you know a, different djs here in singapore that you know i gave them like tips on how they can help their social media or landing like different gigs around the way you know how you approach this certain person and you know it's funny last um it was in August. It was my, my three-year-old's birthday party, and I was throwing a rave. <laughs> and I couldn't find black lights. So I couldn't find any black lights at all in Singapore. Like, they were, like, $300 for, you know, like, you can get one at Walmart for, like, no, maybe, like, bucks. Were you something. throwing a rave for your three-year-old's birthday party? Or was that just, <laughs> okay, I was <laughs> like, did that just happen <laughs> at the same time? <laughs> like, a, a, a two-hour rave. When the sun went down two hours, we were playing and get crazy. So I... I do I bought, the like, same kind of thing for my stepdaughter. We go out I bought three like glow sticks, you know, got a whole bunch of like neon stuff like all over the walls, and I'm like, God, I can't find a black light. So I posted on Facebook, and you know, you know, I never gave any like monetary, you know, you know, I never gave this guy a gig or anything like that. But the guy's like, I got you covered. And he's yeah. like, The dude will be over tomorrow. He's gonna set it up, and then he'll he'll come back the next day and bring it down. And, he's, and I was like, Oh my god, I gotta pay you for this because I knew how expensive <laughs> it was. So it's just like, you know, doing something good for people in the nightlife too is gonna like affect your. Texture like it's going to make your three-year-old very happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've witnessed this sort of thing personally firsthand because um, when I first started out DJing, that I mean, that was me. I mean, I wasn't egotistical, but I I was just oh, give me a gig, give me a chance, give me a chance, come on. Like, and then can I borrow your CDJs? Can I borrow your whatever? And it was always well, let's, uh, maybe next time. I don't, you know. And they they would kind of yeah. hem haw about it. And now it's just not a problem because I spent a lot of time just giving to my scene. Just, yeah. hey, you need you need a set of monitors, I've got you. You need this, yeah. I've got you. And I don't have to ask. Well, I I have to ask, but I don't have to beg right. for right. equipment so or gigs or whatever. They they just kind of show up now. And, and I'm not really, I'm not like some prolific like super mega local star or anything but i just have that network of people that i've built because i've given to them just out of kindness you know what i mean just trying to help them out and trying to help build my scene and they will they are willing to do that for me as well and that just seems like such a better place to be it is and it is it is you you know you did everything right in that aspect and i'm i'm hoping that that's what other people will get out of this you know out of this podcast is, you know, it's give people, like, how can I give? You know, you can give by, you know, giving somebody, like, a tip on where to find, you know, equipment. Like, you can give them a tip on, you know, who, who should you, you invite to get people to your party? Like, you know, people always love to know who the hotshot is that's going to bring, like, 12 girls to the party, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, 
these are just like little ways that you can give to, you know, give value of other people to help boost them up. And then eventually it will come around. And, you know, I think even more than like the, the borrowing equipment and that sort of thing, like the, the thing that has done the most for me, not really directly intentionally, but just what I've observed is mm-hmm. um, just taking the time to give a crap. So yes. like when somebody posts a mix and they're like, you know, what do you think about my mix? I can't possibly review every single mix that I'm sent because that's just ridiculous and they're like an hour long and I would never do anything else right but once in a while especially for somebody I know who's who's really driven and really interested in hearing feedback and that sort of thing I'll go in and I'll write a couple paragraphs you know what I mean and nobody does that anymore you you used to be able to squeeze one or two out on like message forums and stuff but not since facebook and twitter like that's just not a thing anymore and so when you do that like what did that cost me like five minutes out of my day i spend my days writing anyways like why not so you know i take that five minutes and i write something out and they're just flabbergasted that i took a moment to do that and it didn't cost me anything you know what i mean it wasn't a big deal but it's just that i i was willing to give them my attention for a minute Right. And you I, gave a crap. Yeah. I, and I think, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's like, that's, once you do that a couple times, it's so obvious. Like, of course, that's, that's what I want. You know, I want people to give a crap about what I'm doing. But if I'm not giving that to them, why should they give that to me? And exactly. And, now, and now you feel stupid when you don't do that. And you know, when it, I did, that didn't click before. <laughs> but yeah, I know. I know exactly how you feel. So, you know, if I've kind of, um, I don't know if, if people that are listening to this and they'll notice that I'm really not on Facebook anymore. Um, I've kind of like switched gears and, and done a lot of my, um, I do a lot of like talking on Instagram and stuff. And, um, usually you'll see like, Hey, cool. Or, you know, something like that. And then I'll actually like put in a few sentences and it makes a huge difference. Like you'll get, you get a very thought, thoughtful comment like that. You know, on your your Instagram, it's like, whoa, they actually really give a shit. You know, uh, sorry, I, I I made it R rated now. <laughs> but you know, like you know, I I go through my feed and I'll give like a really thought out comment, and people people like resonate with that, and they're like, oh, awesome. And then you'll see them like they'll pop over to mine, and they'll actually start doing the same thing to me. And that's that's what it's about. It's about with connecting with people on another level. It's not this superficial. Um, it's not just the screen that you're talking to and saying, Hey, cool. And stuff like that. And, uh, and I'll see somebody leave like, um, like a smaller comment on one of my things. And then I'll try to dig deeper into, into them and it'll kind of throw them off base. Like, Whoa, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, and this isn't necessarily restricted to social media either. I mean, even like in, in person, uh, personal interaction, like there are, uh, you know, certain people here in Dayton and they, uh, are working really hard to, to strengthen our scene and they throw shows. And when I notice something that they've thought outside of the box on or put the extra effort into, like I always try to make sure that I go to them and make a comment about it. Like, Hey, I really appreciated that you had such and such, um, do the, the opening set. I think that was a great choice, you know, and, and then that might be all I say, but they will remember that. And, exactly. and and that kind of builds that helps them 
profile their idea of who you are and how you think about this whole thing. And sometimes that matters way more than uh, the songs that you play, at least as far as getting noticed goes. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's funny. I had a gig um, last was it last month at, like, this big club. And I was a dumbass, and I hit the stop on the wrong CDJ, and I the whole club went whole club went silent. You know? I'm pretty sure we've probably all done that at least once or like, twice. And it was like it was like two o'clock in the morning. You know, the place is like crazy jumping, and I thought it would like I thought I had a loop going on, and I was playing off of forty CDJs, and like, damn it, that wasn't the right one. <laughs> but but afterwards, like. You know, people came up, you know, like, oh, I love that song that you played. And I was like, oh, you mean the one that I cut off? <laughs> but, like, they didn't even, like, realize it or maybe they realized it, but they just wanted to show a little bit more. Like, they wanted to actually connect with me. And then, you know, after that, that, you know, it made me say, like, hey, this guy is really interested. So, like, you know, the next day, you know, I go and I check out who he is. You know, he said he wanted to message me on Facebook and show show me his music. So I did. And I listened to his stuff. And, you know, if he if he wouldn't have even said said that to me in person and just did it right online, you know, I w really wouldn't have paid attention to it because he actually, you know, stepped out and came out and said something to me. You know, I really looked into his stuff and he's a pretty cool guy. So yeah. um, it's, you know, just one simple, like thoughtful comment can really change somebody's, like, whole idea of the way they felt that day. And, I felt really horrible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and this is kind of a side note, but, you know, we've all had those moments where you, you screw something up or you stop the wrong deck <laughs> or you bump the needle or whatever it is. And the way that you handle that in that moment not only says a lot about who you are, but will have a huge effect on the audience. Like, it will. It I mean, will. The, the difference between like scowling and getting pissed or laughing it off and, you know, giving a little fist pump and having people cheer at you makes a world of difference. And that will keep the, you I, know, I, one I, will keep the crowd going and the other will be like, oh, wow, well, what was that about? You know? Yeah. It, was, it was pretty funny because I went and threw my hands up and I was looking around. I was like, what happened? And then I like went down. And then, yeah. you know how people walk upstairs, you know, like that thing. <laughs> So I did that and then press play. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I don't know. And people like, as soon as the music went back on, they were like jumping on all crazy again. So it was like no big deal. It's like, so for all those DJs out there who are very, very scared of doing something stupid like that. You will. Just, you will. You will. It's fine. And when it happens, don't get pissed. Just like laugh at yourself and then keep playing. You know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about reading the crowd, but the crowd reads us too. And I mean, totally. if you if you panic, that is going to have a much different effect than you know that they, they will actually remember that as a positive part of the night. If you just make it something silly, like oh whoops, you know, I'm human, yeah. <laughs> I messed up. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I really enjoy watching like a DJ. Like, they get all set up or whatever, and before their set starts, I love to see them do, like, the stop and, like, scan. Yeah. So instead of plugging everything in and then, like, you know, playing, you know, the last DJ just got done, and it's only, like, one minute into the track, you know, a guy will go up and just, like, play their song right away. I love it when I see somebody set all their stuff up, get their headphones on, you know. Absolutely. Let, let that track play out and just, like, see what the crowd is doing. 
you know, see what the vibe is, see what's going on instead of being like so focused on what you're set in. You know, sometimes I'll, I, I'll let the whole track play, you know, yeah. that's kind of like, it's kind of like a sign of respect for that DJ that's before me. I try to almost always do that just because I know a lot of times I try to end on a certain note where I'm like, I saved this track, like this is what I want to end with. And so many times right. I've had that cut off in like 30 seconds. And I'm like, I don't get mad, but I'm like, oh, crap. Like I really wanted them to hear this awesome part in the middle of the song, you know. I know. Sometimes I'll go like, oh, but the breakdown right here, oh, my God, it's just awesome. So you got to let it play. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'll actually so like, say something. I'll, I'll be like, hey, would you mind to let this play out for like two minutes? This is like, I really want to play the song. They're usually like, yeah, yeah cool. They get it, you know. Right. And like tracks aren't that long. People are like, who cares if it goes into like, you know, like you play at 11 and it goes, the track plays to like 11.03. Big whoop. Right. You know, what do you do, man? So, you know, I I would love for people to kind of like, start um, implementing that into their sets when they take over from somebody else is just like, you know, get your stuff set up, just stop and just watch the crowd, watch how they react to this very last song and, you know, pay your respects to the DJ that gave you this awesome dance floor. So this is kind of a good segue into, uh, I kind of wanted to ask what maybe were some common uh, DJ mistakes people make that hurt their credibility and their you know sense of professionalism we've kind of touched on that a little bit and ego i think is a big one and how you handle crisis yes but, but there's like you know plenty more ways that this happens <laughs> i mean we see it all the time there are so many um i'm really big on looking professional online and um, having like in your own little space besides Facebook, besides, besides SoundCloud, besides Twitter, is actually having like a really good um, website. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is that is really key for people. And I'm not saying just like like uh, djkickass.wordpress.com. I mean actually like you know giving a crap about your DJ career and buying a domain for like, what is it, like 10 bucks a year and actually getting like a professional URL and a nice website and like a, an email address that's, you know, not like a Gmail, you know, right. DJ blah, blah, blah at gmail.com, but like something that's like bookings at DJ awesomesauce.com. So I think, um, you know, especially for, for me living here and I work with brands and stuff, it, it shows people that I'm professional. And I, and I actually, I get really, really excited when I see like a, a newer DJ who actually has that first thing, you know, kind of like set. It yeah. doesn't, they don't have to have like a million followers or anything, but they have a really nice, well thought out website where they're actually giving value and not just saying, listen to my music, listen to my music, listen to my music. And I, um, I think that is one of the huge, huge rookie mistakes that people do is they put all of their, all of their eggs in the Facebook basket or the SoundCloud basket and hope to get gigs. Well, and they view that as like distribution too. Like they, they just want to spam their music or their mixes all day long and, and do yeah. nothing else and then wonder why people aren't listening to it when there's like yeah. 30 other people in my feed doing that in the same week. Exactly. And, and I think um, a lot of people get, like, confused on what, like, the blog part of a website is. Um, mm -hmm. Like, some people just use that blog to, like, update their, their latest mix. Right. Like, a, a 
blog, a blog is a way for people to understand who you are, what you're about, and what, what you like and why people should keep on coming back to your website. That is a way... I'm preaching to the choir on that one. <laughs> right. Yeah. That is a way for people to understand your brand. You know, yeah. it's, it's, I would say like your website is your home and your blog is your garage. That's nice. where everything starts coming in. And then, you know, all the social media places are the, the clubs that you go party at. You know, you'll go to like the Facebook party right. and you'll say like, hey, come back to my garage for after hours. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think that analogy. <laughs> so this is uh I, this seems to kind of center around building building a brand and I, I put brand in quotes because people kind of have a, a certain view about that as if we're i mean not everybody is in this to uh sell something uh, some people are and that's exactly. that's fine we kind of touched on that earlier there's a lot of different djs and, and a lot of reasons for them to exist but what else can we do? What what does building a brand really consist of? What does that mean in our context? Okay, for for DJs, we want to kind of stand out, you know, in this in this huge sea of like other DJs. And there's there's different ways that we can stand out, you know, by different genre. You know, if you're the only you know, trip hop, you know, symphony music playing DJ, you know, <laughs> definitely, yeah, that is a different brand. Or if you're like, the way you need to think about your brand is how people view you, okay? It's not also, it's not only what you think of yourself, but how people view you, you know, like, are you, are you that cool guy that loves people to come to their parties? Are you very welcoming? Do you go out of your way to help other people? So it's not, only about like your your visual brand. So a visual brand would be like your logo and what type of colors that you use for um, your your website or your um, social media or you know even your SoundCloud. Um, it's also the the words that you use that also taps into how people view you. So with any any type of sphere, you have to really think outside of your brain and what you want. Because, you know, I, I want to be the super awesome, amazing DJ, and people think I'm awesome. And so you'll say, I'm awesome, I'm the hottest DJ, you got to check me out. But realistically, that's not how other people view you. Right, right. <laughs> so that is something, like, you have to think about either how do you want people to view you? How do you want people to um, create this opinion of you? And that's how you start to think of think of your brand. And I... I I always tell people like the the way that you start out with this is actually thinking of what you're not because that is really easy to to, okay. to pinpoint you know like I I will not play this type of music I will not dress with my cleavage hanging out you know that's not me you know that's for instance this is how I created my brand you know um, I I love to go out I love to have a good time I like other people to have a good time so I kind of like based my brand about around this sort of um, essence of DJ Casey Lane and that's how it, it sort of sort of like grew and came to be I think a lot of people are afraid of kind of uh, branding themselves in that way because they feel like the only way to do that is to not be genuine and I think that's the wrong view right from the start you know like because mm -hmm. I, I kind of have this uh, you know in my scene I'm kind of viewed as this uh, 
nice, laid-back, easygoing guy, and I like I know what my strengths are, and I know what my weaknesses are, which is I'm not really good with confrontation or mm-hmm. you know being really stern in my beliefs. I'm, I'm kind of wishy-washy on certain things, and so I, it it helps to really be completely honest with yourself, find out what your strengths and weaknesses are. And then exactly. just build your brand around what your strengths already are. It's not that you have to make them up. Right. It's it's just who you are and how you want people to view you. Yeah. You know. And I think um, you're not building like a fictional character. No, no. It's it's you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. And I think um, a lot of people, like especially newer DJs, might get confused and they'll see like a big name DJ. And what they do with their like communication with their fans and how they brand themselves, but what they did at the beginning of their of their career was totally different. So there's like different phases of a DJ's career, you know, like you have the the yeah. you know you'd say like the novice or the newbie, and then you have you know the apprentice that's just you know maybe has a couple of gigs or whatever, and then there's like the journeyman, and then there's like the master. So people that are in this far end of the spectrum are going to have a totally different way that people view them as people in their beginning, like, or when they were in their beginning. So, um, you'll see a lot of like copycats, especially with like newer DJs. They'll see like, Oh, this big name DJ goes say, Oh, I have this latest track out. Why don't you go listen to it? Like, here's a sneak peek. So now you'll see like, you know, younger DJs or newer DJs doing the same thing online and it doesn't have Results, yeah, you know, because you haven't um, given any any value to people. Like for for you to tell people to listen to your track, you're asking for them to do you a favor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, unlike unlike these these bigger name guys, when they have a track and they're they're telling people um, that they have music, they're actually doing their fans a favor. And so and those fans have already bought into that brand. Exactly. They don't need to be convinced. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yep. They don't need to be convinced. So we've already kind of talked about, we, we brought up the, the DJ's website, and most DJ websites and social media pages are horrendous. <laughs> yes. Why? What makes them, what can they do to, to fix this? Because this is, this is just like an epidemic. Like, <laughs> Okay. Why are there so, so many terrible Facebook pages and Twitter accounts and DJ websites out there? I think a lot of people are on Twitter not to use it for what it's for. So Twitter is for striking up conversations with people that you have no idea who they are. And, you know, eventually you figure out that they're really awesome people. And, you know, Twitter is for conversations, Jumping into a conversation that's already happening. That's why there are hashtags. You know, hashtags are really cool. Um, you know, cool way to jump into a, a really great conversation um, that's already happening. But people use it as a billboard. Not only DJs, but you know, I see record labels doing the same thing. I see like any other like EDM, you know, like new initiative or website or whatever. They use it as a billboard, saying like. This is what I have doing. This is what I'm doing. Come check me out. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to go up to somebody I've never met before and say, this is what I'm doing. Come over. Come over to my house. See what I'm doing. Yeah. It's really easy and really creepy. It's, it's kind of weird. So 
Twitter is for conversations, you know. And Twitter so, search is such a good tool of discovery, and, like, nobody uses yes. it that way. Like, they think it's, like, like you said, either they treat it like a billboard or they treat it like miniature Facebook, you know, and it's, yes. it's neither of those things. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't have a Facebook app on my phone. I took it off because I was just like, this is just ridiculous. I'm wasting too much time looking at like weird videos. <laughs> so I took it completely off and I've been like focusing on like Twitter and Instagram. I've been using it and, um, it's really great. Like you meet really cool people on there that aren't trying to sell you anything. And I get really excited when I, when I actually start having a conversation with another DJ and they're not telling me to get the latest mix or yeah. <laughs> it's really nice. And I see a lot of DJs do like the, um, the automatic DM with the, Hey, thanks. Listen to my mix. I think like a more effective way of doing that is saying like a, Hey, thank you, whatever, you know, or, you know, asking like, what's your favorite color or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like you're talking so to humans. <laughs> yeah. You are talking to somebody. <laughs> so I think. Um, one way is to actually start thinking about Twitter as like going into a party and talk, you know, if you see people talking and you go in and you kind of overhear something, it's like, Oh, I know something I want to, I want to join this conversation, but I'm not going to throw my music at you. Whereas Facebook is a little bit different. You know, they want to be like the first people to like share cool things on the internet. And I see people with their fan pages only using it to share their own music or their own, their own tracks, or, you know, whatever is me, 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 me. They're not sharing, like, cool, like, you know, the uh, passionate DJ interviews and, and stuff like that. They're not sharing this, but I remember when you had your, like, your post that went viral, people were sharing that like crazy, and it's, it's awesome. So it's, people want to be like cool on Facebook. They want to be like the first to know and they want to, yeah. they want to show their friends that they know this cool, cool stuff. And it doesn't, doesn't always have to relate to the music industry, especially yeah. when you're, when you're first starting out as a DJ and you only have like your friends as followers or fans, you'll want to post things that they will like and they will share and they will comment on. So you have to just think of your audience, think of your fans and what would, they like it's know, like going back they, to what we discussed earlier i mean it's they're trying to get you in bed on on day one and skipping the like the entire courting process that happens exactly. when you want a long-term relationship with people and that's what you want you want fans you don't want a listen or a like or a play right. or a star or a favorite or a retweet you want fans you want people to engage with you you want to to prove yourself to somebody to where, you know, I would rather have one super hardcore fan than 50 plays on my SoundCloud, latest SoundCloud uh, track exactly. or whatever. And it's like, you know, do you want um, a bunch of people coming to your gigs and standing there <laughs> right. doing nothing? Or do you want, like, two or three people totally getting down, you know? What would be a great night, you know? Which one would you want... So I think, um, oh yeah, you know, I've yeah. played to big dead crowds and I've played to small, amazing crowds, you know, where there's, there's four people on the dance floor and they're loving it. And I've got a smile on my face the whole time instead of, you know, exactly. 200 people standing around the borders of the room listening or not, but not doing anything. I mean, that's, 
Everything's become about metrics and numbers and plays and likes and how many people are in the club and blah, 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 blah. And it's, right. man, it's not about that pure number. Right. And I, I always tell, like, I always talk to people. I gave, like, a, a like, I was in a forum, a music forum here about two months ago. And, you know, the one thing I was saying in, in the whole thing, like, you're in the music business, but this isn't only the music business. It's the people business. It revolves around people, and people have to, you know, be excited and into it. And you have to be excited about people, and you have to be into them. And it goes both ways. So it's not just music. There isn't just it's not just the the, the broadcaster and the receiver. It goes both ways. It's amazing how it, quickly that people part of the equation falls off, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. It's kind of kind of scary how. Oh, things still stay afloat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Casey. Well, where, where can uh, listeners of the podcast connect with you? We've discussed the DJpreneur, but let's let's talk about uh, what your internet presences are and what you've got going on now. Okay, How are you providing I, value to your audience? I have um, on the DJpreneur site. I have, um, I've been doing interviews lately. They're about, you know, anywhere run from 30, 30 minutes up to an hour. So if you have time or you're just sitting at your crappy job, you could just pop your headphones on and listen to some of the interviews. Um, it's really an amazing, uh, way to like learn from these other DJs who are, you know, on their way to success. I'm not, I'm not interviewing these big name DJs because realistically you're not even there yet. Like right. there's, there's no point of you understanding and learning what they're doing now because it doesn't apply to you. And that's, that's kind of what I get upset when I see other, you know, other DJ blogs and stuff. They only talk about what the big name guys are doing. I talk with people that, you know, have been in the scene for a little bit and they're, they're still struggling in some certain ways, but they're having their success and they're, they're moving through with their journey. Um, so I have, a lot of interviews on the site. I also have different cheat sheets available. So I have a step-by-step -step process for landing DJ gigs. And this is at landawesomedjgigs.com. And um, eventually I'm going to be putting together a full-on course that people can um, go and watch all the videos and get instant feedback on how to land awesome gigs. But I'm still in the process of making that um, but I also have free training there. So if you go to land awesome gigs, um, forward slash free training, you'll get, um, a free video series. It's about three videos on how to land, um, pretty awesome gigs. And then I also have my, um, connecting to key players, um, that I just announced on your uh, podcast for the very first time. And, uh, this class is for anybody who really wants to, um, learn the correct way for connecting with people because I've done, I've landed gigs from two ways from word of mouth and from marketing And the way that I market. Isn't the way where I'm saying, Hey, everybody look at me. Um, it's all right. about targeting. So, um, that's one way, you know, there's actually a bunch of ways that you can get out there or you can also follow me on Facebook. I'm not too um, active on Facebook anymore, but Instagram for sure. I'm at Instagram as Casey Lane um, by or X DJpreneur, and I share a lot of tips over there too. Awesome. Um, any fi final tips or guidance before we uh, sign off? Just be cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
Simple but effective, right? Yeah, just be cool, you know. You know, there's there's people that hustle and they bustle, but they do it wrong mm -hmm. because they're a little bit too anxious, you know. Hustle your ass off, but be patient and, you know, be cool about it with people. So those are my um, very last words for everybody out there. Patience is absolutely key. Passionate DJs, everything that uh, we brought up today as far as resources will be in the show notes. Uh, Casey, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and keep on spinning. Thank you, thank you. Rock on, man. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning.